I'm Evelyn, and I'm a geoholic. Gonna kick in here any minute. I got. I got a feeling. There we go. There we go. Nod your head, man. This is more energy than we usually have on an opening music. You know, I think here's what we need to do. When we show up to work every day, we just gotta pop this in and let it go. I think so. I haven't seen you smile this much all day. I know, man. I'm jazzed up. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Welcome back to Holics episode uh, 160. One six zero. Here we are. Here we are. And one thing I want to remind everybody of, because Sean mentioned to me how cool it is that uh, we have a playlist on Spotify. That we do includes every song from every single episode we've ever released in chronological order. As yes. a matter of fact, uh, currently nine hours. Over nine hours of music. Over nine hours yes. of music. <laughs> yes, it's hard to believe. So if you're taking an incredibly long road trip. Pop in that Geoholics uh, mm. playlist, and uh, yep. it'll get you there. There you go. And it's all good music. Oh, and it is, it spans the entire possible, all the genres in, in music. Yep. And I think we added a new one we did. Uh, today. This is the first song geared to uh, children under the age of 10. <laughs> so <laughs> it is a new genre. Well, and, and, well, I shouldn't say only children under the age of 10. I know my wife particularly it very much enjoys uh, Disney music and all kinds. Of, I mean, she's yeah, she's a fan. And I may be wrong, but I think our guest today may have done a TikTok video with that music. I don't know. Oh, really? I don't know. I could be making it up, but I could see her doing it if she hasn't. So <laughs> absolutely, we'll get to that here in just a second. Um, on that note, what else is new, Sean? Oh man, not a whole lot. Kind of a kind of no, kind of getting into the groove. A little normal week, you know. Everything's kind of you know the new year is settled in. Mm. You know, was out for a week, back to it. Uh, you know, it's the luster of all the holidays is done. I mean, we're back back to the grind. Back to the grind. Yeah. yeah, yeah full no. weeks. They full, suck. Full weeks. I, I mean, this might be the full first full week in <laughs> like a couple months. So it's horrible, it's, this, this work It's difficult, shit, yeah. Well, then we're going to, in a couple weeks, we'll have uh, the, the Phoenix holiday, which is the Phoenix oh. Open and the Super Bowl, which... Yes. whole town will shut down and no one will do anything, which is exciting. Yeah, that's but. like a 10-day... Uh, Holiday in itself. And coincidentally, um, my wife and daughter are going to be going to uh, Disneyland for uh, the week of the Super Bowl. So, How does one get so lucky? I don't know. So you're going to be a bachelor. I will be a a bachelor for a few days, including one of the biggest sports days of the year. So Good to be you. The stars aligned (laughs) and I have a great family and it just happened to work out that way. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) We also have uh, Peter Cox with us this episode. Peter, how are you? Hi. Good morning for me. Nice and early today. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. good. Ready to uh, hit the beach. It seems like we haven't had Jan in a bit. I know, I feel neglected. Oh, no. But you did have a birthday <laughs> since the last time we talked. I did. I hit that big 5 mm. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh. Hey, you I'm salvaged it. Way it. to go. <laughs> yeah, how, and how was your birthday? Did you have a, a nice family gathering? Had a lovely weekend. I cleaned my house all weekend for 40 people to come over and celebrate with me. So nice. on my birthday, I could clean my house again. <laughs> Man, you have a lot of friends. A lot of people love you, Peter. Friends and family. Yes, I do. 
I yep. had some wonderful friends. So, yes, it was very enjoyable, very late night. So for an old woman going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning is the mm. – oh, mm. knocks you out. So you're still at 50? Are you still like a MILF? Are you a MILF there or what are you at, at 50? Oh. What is that? <laughs> MILF, GILF? What, I, I'm not sure. Uh, no, you're still in the MILF category. In the MILF category. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, there's no yeah. grandchildren. Oh, yeah, it does take uh, – Unless you yeah. count my puppies – Oh, yeah, that's yeah. possible. I'm a grandmother yeah. to my puppy. There you go. There you go. And something okay. else I saw on, uh, I think it was on your Instagram page today, and of course you would have mentioned it, but I'm going to. Tell me about this EWIT Ooh. Exceptional Educator Finalist. Yeah. What is this all about? Yes. Uh, the uh, Women in Trades uh, have a an awards ceremony, uh, awards night for uh, women in trade, um, apprentices, all different people that are making an impact within the construction or trades industry. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been put up to uh, as part of the education side. So I'm one of three people who may win that award. So very, very cool. Exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Thank you. Hashtag she's a geoholic. She is. oh good stuff um i have an update on my shiny new brother oh yeah tell us Mm, about you met uh you have a new brother and you guys hung out this weekend how how was that i have two um amazing sean's in my life now oh right (coughs) yep your brother sean uh great he was in uh arizona last weekend we spent gosh i don't know the better part of four days together and uh just can't say enough. I honestly could not have gone any better. He's a great guy. His girlfriend Jan's a sweetheart and uh, got to meet all the family, spent some quality time together, had some, you know, emotional conversations, of course, and laughed a lot, cried a little. And uh, just like I said, I'm tearing up a little bit right now just talking about it because it, it, it it couldn't have gone any better, like I said. I can uh, tell you this, sure. that it uh, it is pretty rare to be able to get added family yes that you like that that are great people and yeah. this late you know yes. let's late in your like, life you get I'm to right. I mean it's like an added bonus you know it it's like is. finding a cheeto in the couch that you didn't you thought you were done and then all of a sudden there's one more so, i hope he listens to this because he was compared to an old cheeto that's awesome <laughs> well i didn't say it was I old i just said it was like though. hey you know you finished it and all of a sudden yeah. there's one extra so just yeah. It's a, it's a welcome, <laughs> awesome surprise is what I would say. It really saying. is. Yes. It really is. It's like, like when you're in college and you find a piece of pizza. Like yeah. the corner. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Sean's going to be loved to be uh, compared to food. Uh, he's going to love <laughs> it, well, yeah. Well, you know what? Food is your most favorite thing, Kent. So. Especially pizza. Yeah, exactly. Especially pizza. Yeah. So, he, yeah. Yeah. Should feel privileged. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Geo Week coming up. Oh, well, oh yeah. yeah. Two, stuff. three weeks away. And we just found out today uh, that we will be in booth 337. All right. At Geo Week. Right in the middle. Right across from our right. good friends at XYHT Magazine. Oh, it's a match made in heaven. How could that have worked out any better? <laughs> the I have stars no aligned. <laughs> and uh, on that note, one of our friends of the program, TopoDot, they're also going to be at Geo Week, and they're going to be in booth 526. So our good friend Jennifer, Trana, sent me this message today, and she wanted to get it out there that the uh, the TopoDot team of experts will be running uh, point cloud feature extraction demonstrations at Geo Week oh boy. at their booth 526. Uh, you're going to see examples of all type of LiDAR applications, including drones and mobile and static systems so make sure 
um, that you carve out some time to go by their their booth, like I said, 526, and they also have an annual bowling party Whoa. at this event. And I went to it last year, and it is so much freaking fun, it's ridiculous. Wait, there's like bowling? Yes, like, at a, like a bowling alley downtown Denver. Really? Oh, it's that sounds like a blast. There are so many happy hours. I, I don't know where we're going to start and where we're going to end. Well, it just sounds like we're going to, this because it starts the day after the Super Bowl. So it sounds like we're just going to take the uh, Phoenix Open Super Bowl party and just keep it keep it going through Geo Week. It's going to be fun. <sighs> It's going to be a blast. Good to be a geoholic. It is. No doubt. On that note, tell us about that opening number there, Sean. Uh, okay. Uh, just just a disclaimer here. There is a lot of names in this uh, <laughs> th- this description, so I am going to do my best. Uh, that was a song called Chillin' Like a Villain. It's a song from Disney Channel's 2017 television film, Descendants 2, whose music and lyrics were composed by Antonia Armato, Tim James, Tom Sturgis, and Adam Schmalhouts. The song was performed in the film by the cast Sophia Carson, Cameron Boyce, Boo Boo Stewart, and Mitchell Hope in their vocal roles as Evie, daughter of the evil queen, Carlos, son of Corella DeVille, Jay, son of Jafar, and Ben, son of Belle and Beast. Didn't know they had a child, but there you go. Uh, the song peaked at number 95 on the Billboard Hot 100. That is alarming. <laughs> that song made the top 100? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, can't, oh I do admit I have recognized, that I've heard that song played it, played it in my house before. I would imagine you probably have. Yeah. But uh, I, I, you know what, though? I love the idea of uh, Sean Boo Boo Faber. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to see yeah, if that yeah. one sticks or yeah, not. That was the uh, that was the second option to naming Evelyn, and it got vetoed. So <laughs> that's awesome. All right, uh, appreciate that. We are in fact in the Wisdom Wednesdays studio. Ah, yeah. Wednesday Wednesdays this studio. afternoon. Uh, if you haven't, if and it's not, Wednesday. It is Wednesday, and if you're not familiar <laughs> with Wisdom Wednesdays, please take a second and check out their website. It is wisdomwednesdays.xyz. Uh, awesome platform that our good friend Trent Keenan has helped to create. Uh, really, really good for you if you're preparing to take an upcoming exam or really just wanting to, you know, dive a little deeper, get in the weeds on some, um, you know, some specific topics as it pertains to surveying and, and uh, geomatics. So, again, Wisdom Wednesday, which brings us to our, <laughs> we're paying a lot of bills here. Yeah. Uh, the Airworks somewhat random trivia. Producer Sean, what do you have for us this afternoon? Uh, this actually was, it, it came up uh, last week, and so this trivia is, uh, did you know that the Mason-Dixon line mm. is actually a survey line? Yes. Uh, it, Charles Mason, an assistant astro- astronomer at Greenwich Observatory, mm. and Jeremiah Dixon, astronomer, mathematician, and surveyor, were hired to survey an agreed-upon line to settle a dispute between Pennsylvania and Maryland. It took four years and cost $75,000 to run the 233-mile line. Modern surveys have showed it to be an accurate survey within a couple of seconds of latitude. Mm. Uh, The surveyors also extended the boundary line 40 miles west of Maryland's western boundary into territory that is still in dispute between Pennsylvania and Virginia, though this was contrary to their original charter. Mason and Dixon survey was finished in October 9th, 1767, about 31 miles east of what is now Pennsylvania's southwest corner. Mm. 
Yeah, pretty amazing. I'm Think pretty about sure that. you knew that, but uh, yeah, I was aware. I wasn't aware of the cost, though. Can you talk about that one more time? What was that? Seventy five thousand. Seventy five thousand dollars for a two hundred and thirty three mile line. Seems pretty cheap. Wow, but pretty it cheap. was also uh, seventeen sixty seven. So yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I do know some minimum surveyors. wage was it was a was a half a penny at that time, yeah, yeah. if that. So yeah, I do know some surveyors that are kind of in that same ballpark though when it comes to providing <laughs> survey stuff. So maybe right. not, maybe not that far out of whack. I don't know. All right, isn't this there a song that has to make some takes in? Nice yes, line there is. It? As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of it, but you could probably Google know. it in the next ten seconds. And okay, you got it. Okay, uh, this week's weekly words of wisdom: Advanced Geodetic Surveys AGS. Weekly mm-hmm. Words of Wisdom, That's pay your other bill there. Check them out at agsgps.com. Here we go. Uh, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you will go. Is that Dr. Seuss? Yes! <laughs> How did you know that? This is the way I said it, right? It's the way you said I it. Knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. And I think, isn't there a Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the, Pl- oh, the Places You yep. Go, or something like that? Yeah. Dr. Seuss. You know, there are so many like great words of wisdom in Dr. Seuss. It's crazy. Yeah. So applicable. It's crazy. Anyways, uh, Peter, did you find that song? Sorry. <laughs> I put my mute on. Oh. Um, sailing to Philadelphia, Mark Knopfler crosses the Mason-Dixon line. Okay. Oh, okay. There we go. Right. I'll give Mark him that. Yeah. 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 There must be a few. I, I think there think is. It, yeah. That's not who I was thinking of. So uh, who, who, I'm sure there's band? some con- country song. Country song. That's yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah, it's got to be country yeah. song. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. Just uh, we'll come back to you on that. Let's get to our guests. Oh, my God. Do I have to keep? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our, our, uh, our, our guest today is brought to us by XYHT Magazine, who we mentioned previously. Uh, great to be a partner with them. And uh, we have Marion Ellis with us. A little bit about Marion. Uh, born in Wrexham in North Wales, I might butcher some of this, she attended Northeast Wales Institute. She is a chartered surveyor, coach, and mentor. And just some of the career highlights to date include the Surveyor Hub community, the Love Surveying Platform, uh, Women in Surveying Virtual Summit, so many things to talk about here with Marion. But uh, Marion, welcome to the Geoholics. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> So so chipper. I love. It. We got so much good energy today. I know we really do. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 sitting here watching you like present, and it's so different from my podcasts. <laughs> you know, oh, boy. and you know when you just hear hear someone's voice, you know, in your ears, and I can actually because we're recording this, and I can I can see you, and it's just it's just fascinating. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Notice, yeah, notice how she didn't yeah. say better. She just said. Different. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and fascinating could be a good or a bad yes, thing. Yes, yes. It's yeah. fascinating that you guys can somehow pull this like, off yes. every week. <laughs> a couple of idiots. How do you do this? Right. How does it happen? Oh, my gosh. So, anyways, at this point in the program, we do the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker. So, Marion, here is an icebreaker question for you. What's the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to rock? Ooh, love it. Oh, um, I don't know. I had a perm back in. Ooh, the perm. The, the uh, not, yeah, we all had perms. Um, well, not all of us. Used to wear a bubble a bubble skirt. Uh. That I remember <laughs> being feeling quite cool. <laughs> Who knows what's one of them? What one of those are? Um, not sure what a bubble yeah, skirt and is, but I I did actually, as I think about it, when I was in my teens, have my hair really short, 
with that little tail yeah. at the back. Yeah. <laughs> tail, yes. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. That's really, that really That's bad. <laughs> that yeah. is great. Um, I love the tail. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, good stuff. How about you, Peter? I'm trying to think. I've probably had a few. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, oh, really? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, uh, that, that's really difficult. I mean, each, each. We'll come back to you. Some, yeah, we'll come I'm, back to you on that one. I'm Sean, what, you got one. What is it? Uh, I mean, I have so many. Uh, yeah. But actually, this came up the other night at dinner. Um, and so we were sitting at dinner, and there was a, a young lady beside us, and she had, like, her jacket. But I don't know if you've seen this recently. The, the, the ladies, they wear the jacket, like, on off their shoulders and just kind of, like, hanging on their arms, you yeah. know? And I was uh, telling my wife that – Back in like fourth grade, I had this sweet black members only members jacket. Members only, and but I was I was trying to be a badass, so I wore it like I never like put it all the way on. I just kind of like had it half on, kind of hanging off me, and I had this sweet uh, arrowhead that I got from like some field trip. And man, it was the I was the coolest guy with that black awesome. members only jacket hanging off my shoulders, and now it's it's already come back full circle. Oh my gosh, that is awesome, Peter. Did you come up with something? Well, I'm kind of thinking that I had a pair of uh, pants that I used to wear all the time that were like, it looked like paint had just been thrown over. Oh, them. yeah. They were just baggy, comfy pants. Yeah. And I reckon I had them for about 15 years. And eventually my mum said, you need to throw those out. <laughs> <laughs> there, comes the there, there comes a time. There comes a time. time. Yep. Yep. Uh, what are my most favorite? What about you, Kent? I'm sure in, in, um, in your uh, your illustrious existence, yeah. I'm sure you have gone through all of the there's, all of the fashion. There's uh, been there's been some iterations. I of mean, Kent, you you you, you sure. did peak in the '80s, so, so I'm sure there was some good stuff there. Well, I mean, yeah. So keep in mind, I grew up in like the Footloose times. Okay. Right? So the one that sticks out to me is like parachute pants. Okay. With oh. a button-up shirt and a l- like little skinny leather tie. <laughs> A little skinny leather tie. I wanted to be be Kevin Bacon. Everybody wanted to be Kevin Bacon. Yes. Please tell me you've got photos. Uh, I'm sure they exist somewhere, but that's the one that sticks out to me. Oh, that's great. All right. Let's uh, let's get into this here. So, Marion, welcome back. Good to have you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's really good to be here. (laughs) So, Marion, so I got to ask you the generic question. You know, how how in the world did you get involved with surveying and, and how did you make the decision to make it a career? Before you answer that question, you might want to uh, ask Marion about what type of surveying she actually does. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. fair enough. What kind of surveying do you do, Marion? <laughs> <laughs> you could have asked the question. Peter. I could have asked. <laughs> but it kind of goes with your question, but okay. we need to sort of draw that line or separate. Okay. Well, well this is the thing, isn't it? Because yes. surveying is so different around the world. Mm-hmm. And it means different things in different mm. in different places. But I'm um, over here in the UK, and I'm a residential uh, chartered surveyor. So I do, or used to do, um, property valuation. Mm. So here, when you need a mortgage or you're buying a property, so I would go out and inspect and, and do the valuation um, surveys, building surveys. So the condition of the of the property before you you buy it. Um, how did I get into that? uh when I was at school I was always interested in I suppose geography and I have I do remember having one lesson which really inspired me and it was something to do with a, um, a postman or a mailman 
and a route they had to take to deliver some letter. And I remember just being really interested and aware of the land and, you know, um, the, the distance and what you, you had to do. And the, re the rest of it, I absolutely hated, but I was inspired by this one lesson. And, you know, I um, after I did my um, A-levels, I was quite poorly, actually. I um, uh, took a few years out. And when I went back to, to study um, what was a, a, an institute back then, it's now a uni <laughs> university, um, uh, I did estate management because I was just interested in property, land, um, you know, how people live in, in houses. I didn't really have a specific idea. I didn't really know what a surveyor was. I was just interested in the way that people live and the, the roofs over their heads. Mm. And then I did a, once I did that, I did a graduate scheme for a large construction firm called Lang that was over here um, at, at the time. Uh, ended up working in new homes where they used to do, you know, build new new homes, yeah. which was interesting. And I was on site with construction and there was a low point of working out the cost of bricks, yeah. which didn't inspire me, um, sales, marketing, that kind of thing. And um, then I left that job and all the way through, I'd, uh, so to get chartered, and I, you, you have the RICS over there, but it's not the same um, uh, as, as well now, I, I think. Uh, but you have to keep a, a diary of experience. And I'd been keeping this diary going on forever. Mm. <laughs> I just needed three months worth of valuation experience to then submit and uh, take the next stage. And so I moved to a, a firm that spe uh, specialised in property valuation and um, was there for, you know, thought, thought I'd be there for three months and was there for 15 years. Oh, wow. So um, it's just funny where you where you end up isn't it and uh, you know most uh, most people I speak to on my podcast I'm sure you're the same you just fall into it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know yep. you I think if you set out at the start to say I'll be a surveyor there's very few people I've met who actually want to <laughs> want to do that yeah. and they've obviously been heavily influenced by other surveyors when they're younger but um no it's just just funny where you you end up yeah. Do they want to do that? Do they do for for your building surveying or or your type of surveying? Do they actually know what it is? I mean, like for our surveying, a lot of people don't even know what it is, so they fall into it. What it is to start off with, is it the same for your surveying? Yeah, and you know, they they might do a course in um, real estate mm -hmm. um, or you know, uh, um, property construction in in some way, and. You know, over here under the RICS, you've got something like 22 different disciplines under one profession, and it's all RICS. So how on earth can anyone explain what it means to be to be a surveyor? Because um, land surveying you know, is that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Marion, that's kind um, of thing we try to do on this podcast is explain what it means to be a surveyor. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's... Yeah. I, it, it's just a really hard thing, isn't it? Because yeah. there's just so many different disciplines and, mm. you know, and you then you think all of the different businesses and all of the different job titles under there where you could be doing the same thing, but mm. called different things in mm -hmm. different companies. Right. It just becomes, just becomes vast. Um, but uh, yeah, but I'm really interested in uh, particularly the residential side, mm. the way that people live in their homes um, and um, the people that, that help them do that safely. 
Yeah, for sure. So when you step back and, and, you know, you're, you're in touch with surveying at so many different levels, um, you know, what, what do you love about the surveying profession and, and what drives you crazy about it? <laughs> um, what do I love about it? I love the people. I've met some amazing, I'm sure you have too, some amazing people. Uh, you just, they're just interested in really geeky things, really things that no one else will will get. Um, and there's something quite bonding about that. You know, when you've been on holiday and you take a picture of something and you can share it with your surveying mates, and only we know <laughs> what that really means. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's very much a sense of community around it uh, as well. And I think we all have that sense of wanting to belong somewhere. Mm. Um, things I, I don't like about it, um, particularly here in the, the UK is um, there are diversity issues and that's not just gender. Um, it's also class, neurodiversity, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all the way through. And you you then get people, you know, who, who's the better surveyor? What makes the best surveyor? Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, the alphabet after your name because you're so technically qualified um, or the way that you actually help people. And it's quite hard to get qualified and to study and, you know, to progress to where you you want to you want to be, you know, academically. Um, but that doesn't mean someone else is is better than you. And, and I see quite a lot of infighting as to what's the best level of membership of the RICS or who's the best kind of surveyor. And, um, and I think a lot of that comes from people just not being able to talk to each other and engage and have conversations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that stereotypically surveyors aren't the best communicators. (laughs) Oh man. Don't get me started. (laughs) 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 Unless it's something they're really interested in. Oh, that's uh, a, and then they just go down a rabbit hole. Oh man. (laughs) So funny. Well, you mentioned community. Yeah, Sean, be kind. I know. know. Um, You mentioned the word community and I, agree with you hundred percent that, you know, the serving, uh, the professional serving definitely is a community. Uh, and, and you've started or you've built uh, a community of your own to a certain degree. Uh, the mm-hmm. Surveyor Hub. Talk about that just a little bit. So I left my corporate role about five years ago and uh, I'd had a quite successful career as still a surveyor, but dealing with defect valuation claims. So when surveyors get sued, all the stuff that goes goes wrong um and I got to a senior position left that position and I thought my career as a surveyor was over because as you progress sometimes you get to a point where you're so far removed from actual day-to-day practical going out there doing the technical stuff you sometimes lose your identity of what does it mean to be a surveyor are you doing practical things with the tools out and about or do you still contribute doing the other things, um, you know, the per- are seen as peripheral roles? Um, and uh, I, I took some time out, but from that, I started to really question, am I a surveyor anymore? What does that mean for me? And I did a, a couple of things, um, you know, um, I did a, you know, a virtual summit. I got myself on Twitter. I actually can't work Twitter there's not enough room to say all the things that I want to say. <laughs> but I experimented with social media and I'd literally never done 
um, you know, lots of these things. Um, I uh, joined a, a firm uh, that was called Blue Box Partners, and they provided it's a bunch of academics mainly, surveyors and academics, but they provided the technical content to the residential and commercial uh, surveying and, and valuation sector that I uh, worked in. They these guys wrote the books that I learned from in university, mm. and it was quite a privilege to be uh, to be in that role. Um, and from that, you know, we looked at well, what could we? I mean, essentially, it was a training business, and we looked at what we could could do with it, and. I just thought to myself, you know, why don't why don't we just set up a little Facebook group? You know, if we get 50 mm. people in there, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. You know, just this sort of sense of, of community. You know, and as we stand now, you know, it's nearly four and a half thousand. Um wow. Wow. that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. It, yeah, yeah. And it's been it's been quite the quite the journey. Mm. Um obviously in that time we've had, you know, COVID and the lockdown and um, we sold the blue box business. Um, a lot of the guys that I worked with were more mature, shall we say? Um, <laughs> I didn't want to run a, a training, a training business as, um, as such. Um, but oh, I not? kept the surveyor hub. <laughs> I, I kept the, um, the, the surveyor hub because it was something that I'd started. And, you know, when you, when you do something that's really different in a sector, you have to put your face on front of it, in front of it, and have to be in front of it, you know, to, to get it going. Mm. And so that was quite a hard thing to sell. And I didn't want to be part of the, the business that we that we sold to. Um, so I so I kept that. So I've got this, I had this community. But we also did then we start the podcast, the Survey Hub podcast. And that was in early March 2020. Uh, just a, a week or so before the um mm -hmm. lockdown here in the UK started and the idea was that you know I went to a few different events and said you know where do, where do surveyors hang out what do they where, where do they go what do they do and they they go to these corporate events they um or CPD days they you know have a few whatsapp groups but there's no community place where they all all hang out um but they're all in their cars all day long in and out visiting properties and so I thought I just you know give a podcast to go how hard can it be I thought uh and so the idea was that yeah the idea was that we would just have some conversations talking about some technical stuff um and and to help people get get connected because what I realize you know having come from a, a corporate background is that you get everything fed to you in terms of the regulations what's happening in your your sector um when you work for yourself, you're going to do all of that. You know, you've got to be signed up to the right newsletters. You're going to be find, you know, find out what's mm -hmm. what. And so, um, that was sort of the idea. But then, when when COVID hit, what then became apparent was there were some very very scared surveyors. Um, I don't know what the demographics are like where where you are, but you know, I think the average age was something like 55, 60 mm -hmm. at the time. Yep, same. That's a lot of people with health issues. Um, here in the UK, the housing market was still going, so surveyors had to go out and do surveys and, and valuations, which meant they had to go into people's homes at a time when it was really quite quite scary. And so rather than be there as a Hey, hey, here's some technical stuff on Japanese knotweed and dampness. It became more about support and community um, and saying, and we even did a podcast just to talk about how scary it was and that it was okay to be scared. Mm -hmm. 
and that some people couldn't work they didn't earn any money for for quite some time and what were the what things could they do you know how could we signpost them and you know through that time we saw some real heart and love you know from and I'm sure you you've seen it um you know through your, through your own experiences but how other surveyors and that whole community came to to support each other um and so you know as the the guys in the, the blue box business um stepped back you know it evolved from a, a what was meant to be a technical podcast to a let's just chat to some surveyors and for me through lockdown it actually became a bit of therapy in sure. that every week apart from surviving the week with my kids and my husband who thought it was okay to work off the kitchen table <laughs> I want everybody to be quiet the one thing I had to do was to talk to a surveyor have a nice conversation and get a podcast out and that really got me me personally through um and people look forward to it and and that's how it how it really started so interesting hey Kent real quick let's talk about extreme aerial productions Let's do that. Also known as EAP, they are passionate about capturing the perfect shot. Founded in 2014, Extreme Aerial Productions is a professional aerial drone, video, and photography company based right here in Scottsdale, Arizona. From the ground to the air, they capture it all from scanning to BIM, from topo to design. They've got you covered. Uh, yeah, they really do. They work in all 50 states are FAA approved for commercial drone operations and backed by the best aviation insurance money can buy. They have the highest grade drone equipment available, meaning their clients receive the most professional photography and videos. And I don't think I'm making this up, but if you book more than one flight, you'll actually get a date with the one and only Mark Taylor. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> to find out more, go to extremearialproductions.com. And I want to make sure that uh, we mention your website, uh, lovesurveying.com. So talk about love surveying. Is that kind of the, the parent company per se and the surveyor hub kind of is just a part of that? What does that look like exactly? Yeah, so love surveying is my, my business. Um, it, when I first left my corporate job, my business was called, I've tried lots of different names. <laughs> you know, you go and you go on that that journey of working for yourself and trying different things. And I found I was wearing lots of hats, you know, marrying the surveyor, marrying the, the coach, um, you know, a business mentor, marrying the woman in surveying, you know, and how do I, how do I pull all these things together? And what I love is just surveying. I just love all the geekiness about it. Um, the different people, the characters you meet, the impact that we have on the world, the potential that we have. And if I think about all the different, you know, all the surveyors I know, even here in the UK and the number of homes they go into every day, week, month, and potential that has to change people's lives, improve the environment, that's absolutely huge, you know. Um, so I, I I just love it and therefore love surveying just became the, the business. My, my business is um, I coach um, people. So surveyors, um, tend to be small businesses who've I don't work with you know business out of a box it's more you've been in business for a couple of years and quite frankly it's not very nice you're working long hours mm. um, exhausted forgotten why you're doing it on that treadmill and just re-engage with why you why you do what you do 
So I run a, a mastermind and, you know, different workshops and things. I only, I only work part-time, you know, I've got the school run and things to do, but that's my, my business. But, but the Surveyor Hub is the, the freebie part, I suppose, just the, the community and the way that I, I give back through the, the podcast and um, the Facebook group and anything yeah. else that comes out of it. Yeah. Did, did, did Love Surveying like sort of come about because of the, the Surveyor's Hub? Um, like speaking like or was it before that has it sort of transitioned into what you do now Um, because I know that you do a lot of mentoring and and that sort of stuff and speaking to to surveyors who are going through these problems and and issues with their business has that come out through your podcast and the hub and that sort of stuff yeah I I think um, I think in part it was you know come back to that uh, you know, am I a surveyor anymore? What's my identity? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not doing the technical stuff. And it, and I don't know, it's, you know, it'd be different in different parts of the world. So we've just talked about how do you explain surveying, but in my profession and sector, if you're not doing a technical role, you're not a proper surveyor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that whole imposter syndrome, am I good enough? <clears throat> you know, I've got like some really, really specialist experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but not many people have uh, have got. And so it came out of that, well, you know, is the Surveyor Hub a thing or not? People get very threatened as well when you do something different. Um, the fact that, you know, we've got this community, all these people in a pre-group, people talk about it. Uh, when others are trying to, you know, create networks and professional, um, you know, uh, 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 the membership you know it's it's quite a hard Mm. people get very threatened by something that's different and that grows organically and is not trying to compete but people see you as uh, as competing um and I, I guess I just you know one of the things I always say to my clients and anybody else who will ever listen to me is you you do what you do you are who you are you just happen to do it in the world of surveying and yet we so often define ourselves by these technical roles that we that we have. I remember going to um, a women in construction and engineering event once. I was on a panel and I got chatting to these two young girls afterwards. And um, I said, you know, what do you do? And one said, oh, I work in bridges. <clears throat> and the other one said, and I work in tunnels. <laughs> and I just had this like vision of someone like, you know, digging a tunnel and building a bridge. And I was like, yeah, but what what do you do you know um and, and so I think we can we can define our really define ourselves so for me it's been about what kind of surveyor I am how do I do what I do finding that sense of belonging and you know I and re-engaging with that sort of sense of purpose of of why you do what you do so that makes sense <laughs> uh I have a quick question um you said this and it kind of stuck with me. You said, uh, you know, being able to help people as a, as a surveyor, like, can you, can you give me an example or what you're kind of like elaborate on that a little bit, or maybe what you're proud of, how you have helped people in your profession. You said that a couple of times and I'm interested. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm no saint. I'm not out there, you know, (laughs) flying, flying the flag. Um, but I'm sure we, we all think I, the same thing. So I'm sure you have plenty of examples yeah. that you're proud so, of. Mar- Marion's a cult leader, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think you just get to a point, as you get 
a bit more mature, perhaps you get to a point in your career and life where you just see the human side of things. Mm. And when I was dealing with all of these complaints and claims, and it's and it's a surveyor's worst nightmare to get to be sued, to be claimed. You know, no one sets out to do a bad job. And yet sometimes it just happens. And when I was dealing with some of your multi-million pound stuff, you know, heartbreaking breaking stuff sometimes you know people just moved into their home you know you can just see young couple pregnant and then they have to spend the next month in a you know cheap travel lodge um you know you, you see both I got to see both sides of it not just the difficulties of a of a client who's had to who's had that experience but also what it feels like for a surveyor when things go wrong and that we're very good at blame uh, in I think in our in the construction profession, whose fault was it? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Why did why did they not follow the rules? Mm-hmm. But the problem, and I've got a, a thing about rules. You know, yes, we've got to follow rules, but are we questioning the rules? Are they the right rules? Are we helping people mm-hmm. uh, um, follow the rules in the best way? And and what I learned was that you know you can look at the whole customer experience side of things. But if you're not looking at employee experience, if you're not looking at how you set surveyors up for success so they can get it right, then you're on a hide into nothing. And what I what I found was that, you know, I'd get the claim and I'd phone up the surveyor and say, look, you know, we got a problem. And nine times out of 10, they would say, bloody hell, I knew that one was going to be a problem. Because they <laughs> really? didn't trust their yeah. gut instincts. Ah, and they didn't trust their gut instinct because... They were tired. They were working long hours. Mm. They were, um, you know, at targets. You must achieve. You must. You must do this. And they weren't brave enough to say no or to press pause. And that has consequences in in lots and lots of different ways. And you know, dotted line to things like whistleblowing and you know the big disasters and, and things that that happen. And it, it starts with with that. Um, so. The the work that I that I do and things that I talk about really is grounded in that. From having seen both sides of it, is what can I do to help people call it out when they need to, trust their gut instincts? Because if you're doing more of that, then you're helping more people. And mm-hmm. when I left my corporate job, I did think about going back on the the tools and inspecting property. Um, but I've got a bit of a, a, a neck injury from from many years ago, and I can't mm-hmm. lift ladders and things and I thought well I'll be off more than I would be on but if I can help you know a surveyor a surveyor be better or two surveyors or 10 surveyors then that's that big sort of ripple effect and and you can still sort of make an impact impact that way so um I've even forgotten what the question you asked helping people yeah so that so it's that so it's yeah. so it's sure. you know lots of different ways um yeah, that's a very interesting um, perspective, just, and especially what mm. you mentioned about like we've all feeling. had that like, yeah. man, this is this is just not right. Something it doesn't, doesn't feel, feel right. good, mm-hmm. and then it kind of goes away, mm-hmm. and then a long time passes, and then all of a sudden, like Marion said, oh, you get the call, and it's like I uh, I already know what this is about because yep. I you know I it didn't feel good a year ago, yep. and no you know no news is not necessarily good news in 
in this sense. Like eventually it's going to come out. Yeah, no, that was a really good perspective. Um, One thing I I, uh, just thought of. So I've always said, and Sean's going to, I'm sure I'm teeing this one up for him as well. Um, I've always said, especially as I've gotten along in my career, you know, 30 plus years into it now, surveyors without question are a completely different breed of human being, I swear. And unless you're one or Mm. married to one, you really can't relate to it. Um, or if you share an office with one, I suppose. Yes, 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 yes. Spend a lot of time with a surveyor, your life will be changed. Yeah, exactly. I didn't necessarily say for the better, I just said change. Leave it at that. <laughs> so with, you know, the throughout your coaching and connecting surveyors, I'm just curious, you know, I, I don't expect you to go too deep in the weeds, but is there is there some common struggles that uh, that, that surveyors have? Yeah, I think, I think there's a... A couple. Um, a lot of them are very isolated. Be quite a lonely job, a lonely um, way to work. Even if you work for a big company, um, you know you're making decisions by your by yourself, mm. and so that that can be quite hard. Um, personally, I've come across a lot of surveyors who are neurodiverse, mm. um, high levels of dyslexia, autism, ADHD majority will be uh, undiagnosed and would mm-hmm. absolutely hate to admit it um, for fear and, and shame. Um, you know, most of them are men. So there's the pressure of being the breadwinner in the family and everything that, that comes with that and, and running a, a business. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, the, I, and those things came about really from, from talking to mm-hmm. people on my podcast and you know the the chats that I would have with people so we you know a, a bit like this but in a, a different format and, and local you know in the in the UK but th- that's where I noticed it was you know I think I'd done about I don't know 15 20 podcasts and half the people I spoke to mm-hmm. said oh and by the way I'm dyslexic mm-hmm. and I discovered when I was was older you know yeah. I was mature mm-hmm. um and so you can feel it'd be quite hard to uh, to fit in but yeah they, they are a special breed yeah no question um, with their own challenges sure the one thing you mentioned there well a couple of things i can relate to um and it's not talked about enough you know you mentioned the isolation part of it and especially if you're working for yourself but even if you're working for a large company and you you know maybe you don't have another registrant that you can run something by you're making like really crucial decisions and you feel like you're out there on an island you know, if you don't have somebody mm-hmm. to bounce it off of, whatever, but yet you still have to make this decision. And the ADHD thing, uh, undiagnosed, I'm raising my hand right there. That's that's uh, mm-hmm. that's this guy, no mm-hmm. question. Um, but yeah. I, same way, you know, a lot of the surveyors I know, the ADHD thing is so common. It's uh, it's crazy. Yep, for sure. It's it, you know what? It's been it's been an interesting journey because I I trained as a women's leadership coach. Actually, mm-hmm. I used to coach women, and the more I talked about you know, womenly things in the context of yeah. of life. The the more men I think it resonated with because you guys want to be parents or grand you know grandparents mm-hmm. and have that work life balance and pick up the kids. Um, you know, and th- that just seemed to to resonate. Um, I now work with more men than, than you know everybody, <laughs> not specifically women, mm-hmm. but that became a quite a, a, an opener. And for me, it was a a, a lesson and in learning about <coughs> men's mental health, which is you know women are women are wired to tend and befriend. At yep. some point, we will usually chat about it or find a way to get it out of our systems. Men don't. 
yeah. you know the the figures on on um you know suicide rates for yeah. people that you know men in construction sites and really really hard um so it's been a big learning uh, experience for me too but one i i've really appreciated mm. yeah and i think you touched on it you know men in general stereotyping of course are so prideful and it's so hard for them to admit when they have a struggle like that so um you know i, I guess my question to you and I th- maybe it's an obvious answer i'm not sure but uh you know being a, a female in a, in a male-dominated profession, uh, you know, coaching or counseling both men and women, would you say one or the other is easier to coach than the other? Mm. Good question. Mm. I'd say they're different. Yeah. They're just a, a different set of, a different bag of worries. Um, I think, you know, I, I spend a lot of time telling people who I don't work with so that when people come to me, they know they're that they're ready and they're to embrace whatever whatever, whatever comes. Um, and I, it's very important that you feel like you're in a safe space where you can talk and share. Uh, I had uh, one uh, small group that I was um, uh, on a mastermind program uh, program I was running um, last year, and it was just as the Ukraine war started, mm. and quite a few of them were veterans. And they talked about their frustration of, I wish I could just get out there and sort this out. But they had family responsibilities and they had to go and inspect a three bed property, you know, (laughs) in some leafy suburbs somewhere and how frustrating that was. And it was really nice for them to be able to just share that, Hmm. you know, and and the fact that they give themselves permission to, to talk about those things. So I think with men, if you create the, the culture and the environment, men will women will do that the difficulty is that you don't want them to you don't uh what sort of want to position it that you've got to chat like the women do you know and, and have a chat in the toilets about you know what's going on in life yeah. um you just create the culture of uh getting to know each other sharing in general and, and it will come and i don't think you can ever underestimate the impact and i've certainly felt this that you don't have to do everything for people, but sometimes just knowing there is a place that you could talk, there is a podcast that you can listen to just like this on a lonely day. That is massively impactful to somebody. Mm. Um, it inspires and it and it soothes and supports as well. I think women are a are a whole different breed in that here, here. some are very open. <laughs> some are very open to it. But I think there's a lot of a lot of women who um how do you say this in the right way? Almost like don't want to embrace being a woman. Mm. And I know it's the whole, you know, we've got the whole gender situation here. And I I I don't mean that, but in a I just want to be recognized for the work that I do and and being a woman or being a particular gender shouldn't make a difference. Mm. When the fact is we are all hormonally different. We have, you know, the way that we show up is different and that's okay. And and Mm. it's about really being okay to show up who you are in the work that you do, even if you're doing a very technical job and you think there's only one way to write a report or to measure or, you know, do a survey whatever it is you're you're doing you can still be you because you are who you are you just happen to do it in the world of surveying and that that makes a massive difference um but for so long a lot of the women i've 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 known 
you know, you just fight hard and compete to just to be heard and to move forward. And, you know, and some women are either, no, we don't need a women's group to help mm. us. We just want to get on. Whereas others are like, yeah, actually, mm-hmm. it's okay. I'd like to go somewhere to have a chat. And so I think we're um, not as developed in our thinking as to what, what support that should look like. Um, for me, as so long as the conversation happens, women will work it out we'll, we'll get there in the end um but yeah they're, they're very very different i think sure yeah no um that makes perfect sense there's a quote on your website which again is loveserving.com that i absolutely love and i, I want to hear you expand on it just a little bit and it says when business is about people planet and profit in that order everyone wins yeah um i guess that's um I've been influenced by a few different things, I suppose, to to get to that. Um, Firstly, understanding in the technical roles that we do, we're humans first, you know, numbers and, and, uh, you know, things second. Uh, And we can't ignore that. If we ignore that, that's when we don't trust our, trust our gut instinct. It's when things, things start to go wrong. And when we look at, you know, making profit targets, you know, of course, you know, you can't just have a, a business that's just willy nilly out there. You've got to have some focus. But if it's always about the money, you lose sight of what's really important. And that means that the rules, the regulations isn't designed around people. And whatever we're doing in a surveying role, no matter how technical, it's to do with people. People will will you will create it, build it, use the service. You know, it's all about people at the end of the day. Um and there's, um, I read a, a book and it's a great podcast actually that's worth a, a listen. In the UK here, there's a lady called Mary Portis and she wrote a book called Rebuild and she talks about the kindness economy and that if we shaped our businesses with people in mind and people planet profit, then, you know, we'd all have a, a much better place to be. And, and I've tried to, you know, for me, that aligns with all the customer experience stuff that I've studied and learned with dealing with all the complaints and claims that, you know, it's not just about preventing mistakes. It's about remembering why we're doing this job and who is it for. And um, I'm, I'm pulling those things together. And for me, it's, you know, I work with my clients. I talk about having a meaningful life friendly business, you know, that and that happens to earn you you money, too. But um yeah, I'm glad you like that. I think that's it's it's so true because um, some of the companies I've worked for or friends have worked for, I've seen through this COVID period where the managers managers have tried to keep people on and employed and doing something during the COVID period, but it comes at a loss to the company, and so the 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 head honchos of the company that you know it might be an international company go oh well you've actually made a loss you need to get rid of people Mm. and then they they have to sack good people that they've tried to keep on but not realizing that we're just in a slump because of COVID and business is coming up and we've got heats on the horizon and not too bad let's get rid of those people and then the company's stuffed because you don't have enough people to do the work that is coming up and it's like they don't look they look at the money and they look at the numbers and that's it they, they do and I think it's a very narrow old-fashioned way of leadership yeah yeah 
you know, in that to have a successful business, it is all about the money and it is all about the numbers. Um, when, but, uh, and that, you know, yeah, we, we all get that. We need to, you know, pay the mortgage and you yeah, know, have food on the table, but there are different ways of doing it. And it's mm. really challenging that. And I think I see this with the next generation of um, youngsters coming forward, how they have really different values. You know, they're mm. talking about sustainability and, mm-hmm. um, you know, neurodiversity and different things. And it's, it's, you know, it's not even an issue. And every generation we're breaking these patterns and we've got to think, we've got to think differently. And, you know, uh, you sort of talking about that reminds me of, um, you know, when I used to do with complaints, uh, you know, so I would have somebody phone up angry, unhappy about something. But if you've got a good relationship with them, you can manage that so much better. And you can say, oh, you know, you can help them say, I'm really sorry. You know, this happened. Do your best. And it takes the the wind out of it, you know, the, the fire out of it. And it means no matter how embarrassing, and I've seen all sorts, let me tell you, no matter how embarrassing a situation is, if you're help, if you've had that good relationship from the start, you can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, in that scenario you just you, you know just mentioned, okay, we've not we've helped people, but we've not hit the bottom line. But if you turned around to those people and said, we helped you through this difficult time. What can you do to help us? What are your ideas to help us get this business where it needs to be? You know, people people have the answers. They're just never asked or not given the, the opportunity, you know, and it's just that old school type of um, of leadership, which, yeah. you know, we've got so, to break the so I, Yeah, so I see that with, you know, work, work-life balance integration and what you do, um, the what's the importance with your coaching and mentoring of bringing that into people that, you know, may, you say that they've got businesses now um, that are running and everything you know you don't do startups and stuff like that how do you get through to those people that these are the important things I talk about work-life integration because I found it you know wearing all of these different hats you know being a parent being a daughter um, having a business um, doing all of these different things I found it quite hard to well who am I I've got to put my identity don't I I've had a real identity issue um, but it came from that is to, you know, who do you, who, how do I show up, you know, at the school mums, uh, you know, PTA, how do I show up at work? And it just becomes too hard where, you know what, sometimes I'd like to go into work and say, flipping hell, I've had a really bad night with those kids of mine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or at home, I'd like to say, you wouldn't believe what I heard or saw today, you know, and it's just, and it's just being able to have that being okay with yes I'm a surveyor on holiday and I'm specifically going to look at that you know run down building over there and or geek out on whatever it is um you know and it's just about having having a that being sort of more more fluid and I think it takes away some of the pressure to show up as somebody who you you're not or you might be feeling Mm. that you're you're not so I find you know when we talk about work-life balance it's just another thing for me to do and I haven't got fun you know, it's a it's another thing. Do I get it right? Of course not. But the but the intentions there. And since I've, you know, owned being a surveyor who happens to be a mum who happens to do a podcast who happens yeah. to do all of these different things, 
um I just find it so much easier and if you know people don't like it then tough I love that hey Kent before we go any further tell me about topo dot well, before we get to that, let me mention that TopoDot has been a loyal contributor to the Geoholics since day one. And as a surveyor, you know the importance of maintaining quality control through your process. Uh, I just found out recently there is actually more than 6,000 users all over the world that trust TopoDot software to accurately extract topographic features from point clouds. Man, that's really cool. Like, uh, how can I find out more information? Well, first of all, I think all of our listeners should give them a call to get a demo on one of their very own projects and be ready to be blown away by their automatic modeling tools. Do they have a website? They do. For more information, simply go to topodot.com. So one of the things you're also extremely passionate about, and you've touched on earlier, is, of course, diversity, but, you know, supporting women in, in surveying. Uh, and talk a little bit about the, uh, the virtual women in surveying uh, a summit, if you would. So when I left my corporate job, and like I said before, I, I really didn't think I had a, a career anymore. I'd got to a, you know, a, um, a senior level and, um, you know, you look around and you are the only woman. Um, there's not that many of us. So um, here in the UK, you know, they talk somewhere between 14 and, and 18 percent. Um, oh. If I look at, you know, the RICS, the average length of membership is uh, for a man is 29 years for a woman. It's 16. You know, you've got to be asking these questions and we see the, you know, the, the gender issues everywhere. And when I when I was on this sort of garden leave, I. I, I did a project and it, um, I called it the Women in Surveying Virtual Summit. And I'd had a, I'd a paid for some coaching, you know, a number of, uh, a few years before. And I was meant to do a project and it was meant to be a community project to show your leadership skills outside of work was the idea. And I couldn't think of anything because I don't really have hobbies. I just like surveying mm -hmm. stuff mainly. Um so I revisited it and thought, well, I'll, I'll do a little women in surveying project. And the idea was that I would speak to six women about their careers as women surveyors and do it on a video and put it out there. Um, except I thought nobody would speak to me. So I asked a, a lot more and a few more and a few more. And in the end, we had something like 29 women, uh, no, or something like 19 different interviews on, on everything from what to wear on a building site um, you know, menopause, starting your career, what it's like the other end, all these different things. And it was just something really, really different. You know, women really valued the opportunity to talk about being a woman and some of the, the challenges that you face, but also positively how you can overcome them. Um, and so it just went out as a video series. It's on it's on YouTube now, I, I think. Um, you know, it's a couple of years, years old now. But it was just the fact that nobody was talking about women in surveying and, and here in the UK, there, there isn't a women in surveying group. I mean, I don't, there isn't one globally. I, I don't think, um, I know Peter, you've done a podcast with, um, uh, Elaine Ball and there was a mm. couple of other ladies on there. I remember listening yeah, to that thinking, we should get our heads together. Um, you know, there, there isn't, there isn't that group. And, you know, in the UK, there's, there's something like 76 different women's groups within the built environment construction sector. Do we need another bloody women's mm. group? No, we don't. We need to pull ourselves together and work yeah. out, work out what we, what we want together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was quite a, 
quite a big thing, but it's interesting because, as I said before, women can be a bit difficult sometimes and some are very, well, we should have a group and others are like, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have a group and, well, we want to draw a line and just start being equal, but yet you've got women who've had some terrible experiences and things haven't been addressed. Mm. You know, we're dealing with generations of women. So um, it's quite a, it's been quite an interesting thing. The the way I view it now is I don't think we need more groups. I think we need um, a, a movement yep. if you're a woman and a mm. surveyor or if you support women, you know, you're, you're in that initiative and you just need to talk about it. I do have um, a small Facebook group. Um, we're not very active, but the, yeah, but the kind of things mm. we talk about is, you know, what do you wear? You know, there's what there was. A, there was a post this morning from a lady. She used to work in as a rural surveyor, you know, out out in the fields, and um, she's now coming to an office, and she's in and out, and she's saying, well, practically, how do you manage, you know, the office attire and your boots and shoes, and and it's like places <laughs> where you can ask things like that, mm. you know, and you don't need a networking event or let me tell you about imposter syndrome. Let's fix the imposter syndrome you, you've all got. Um, sometimes you just need spaces, you know, just to, to share some of those more feminine things, uh, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a, quite a, a journey. Um, I still think there's lots that, that can be done. The reason I think it's important though, is it's not just about, you know, how say Peter and I feel about being a woman and the different experiences that we've had, which might not have been um, very nice over the, over the years. But if we don't have women at the table, if we don't have that cognitive diversity of thinking at the table, that affects our decision making. Mm. And that affects <clears throat> our guidance, our policies, what we build, the decisions we make. And that has a huge impact on the way that we live. So it's much more than let's just have a few more girls, you know, um, and put things together. It's much more of a wider diversity issue. Um you know, and that that cuts uh, across. But you know, women is just the place to start. Yeah, I think when you when you look at that, you know, having women at the table, um, it, it's good to have that different point of view. We all think differently. Um, I've always said all along that you need the right person for the job, um, and there's a lot of women who are really good for the job. They just don't step up to it because they don't think that they're good enough for the job. Um, they don't have that confidence because they don't they don't feel don't feel good enough yeah Yeah. and there's um there's a really interesting piece of research with the um harvard business review and it's called stop telling women they have imposter syndrome yeah and really it's about diversity and just we don't feel welcome you know when you don't feel good enough usually it's because you don't feel welcome because nobody is there saying hey, well done you and you're doing great. And, you know, you're just, it, it's just not there. And we've really got to rethink. And that's just, actually, it's not just for women, you know, it's for, no. for the younger people. It's for, you know, for everyone. And, and I think that's changing. I've noticed a massive change. It is changing. It is a slow change. Um, I want to bring up the social media side of it because you talked about mm. the clothing and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of younger um, females on there talking about what they do at their work. Um, about women's clothing, about this, about that. Um, you know, I put lots of silly things up there to say, yes, look, you know, 
we can work in this industry. It's not just a boy's job, this, that, blah, blah, blah. You use social media and you use TikTok a lot as well. Um, and you know, I know you've got your Instagram platform, the LinkedIn and all that sort of stuff. You've really pushed that TikTok side with Savain. Tell me. <laughs> those videos are awesome i love them <laughs> so um so i started using tiktok not that long ago really just to let off some steam mm -hmm. because I'd, I'd um one of my um volunteer roles was part of the rics and on their governing council over the past couple of years and i stepped down in august and um I just needed to just do something fun, do something a bit different. Yeah. And so I taught myself how to use TikTok. Um, I ain't brilliant at it. You know, I haven't got thousands and thousands of followers or anything, but I found it quite liberating to just take the mic, sing songs about stuff. Um, mm. And uh, I, nobody was looking, which was great. I think apart from you, Peter, maybe, but nobody <laughs> was on there. And then I made the fortunate, unfortunate mistake of repurposing one of them. And I set up a business page, which I didn't have uh, at the time on uh, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it became like, ooh, Marion's on TikTok dancing around <laughs> and all of this. And you just think, and it almost became like a, what's she up to now? She's got a podcast, she's doing this. Who does yeah. she think she is? Um, but I found it really actually really liberating, so much fun, but also a way to get important messages over. So mm. I did a video um, a little while ago that, that came up because there's been a campaign here in the UK to make sure that there's um, feminine products in uh, on construction site, toilets, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and everything. And, um, you know, some of the questions that, that, that I get asked is, if you're out on site all day, where'd you go for a pee? You know, where'd mm. you get the loo? You know, we have a different set of, you know, <laughs> uh, tools down there. Yeah. You know, and it's just, uh, but but the implications of that is you hold your, hold it in all day and that's not healthy. Um, but it's the same for men, you know, when we're going in and out of different properties, there are some toilets that you will, in some people's homes that will, you will use and some not just like you'll accept a cup of tea off somebody or a copy of somebody, but you won't in another house. You know, we're all for lots of different reasons. Um, and I did a, I did a little video um, about that. And I did a, I think I did one where I was prancing about dancing because someone annoyed me saying we should have a, a group where we talk about imposter syndrome. And I said, no, I want to talk about period pain and where you can go for a wee. Um, <laughs> I was dancing, awesome. I was dancing like this. But you know, you, you, the point is you need spaces uh, like that, but it's not for everybody because yeah. actually some women don't want to talk about having kids because they don't have kids. They don't want to talk about menopause because it's a, you know, it's not great. Um, you know, we're all different, but for those who do, they just need to know that there's somewhere there. But yeah. everybody uh, but pees, yeah, so everyone's got a wee. Pees. So I mean, yeah. that at least can <laughs> yeah. can can bring everybody together. Hey, yeah, every exactly. woman, nearly every woman gets a period. Every woman uh, goes through menopause. There's, yeah. If yeah, it's just, it's. Do you know what? It's just cruel. normalizing. It's just normalizing it, and exactly. and I, that really that really helps a lot of the um, the younger women coming through. Because they don't know what to expect, but to know that they can ask these questions. I mean, I'd be mortified, you know, think about myself, be mortified mm. to ask anything like that. Now I, you know, I 
it'd be fine i'd you know i encourage it uh, um but yeah the, the, between the, the you t- and i <laughs> <laughs> i would have well i i just uh, you just reach a point in your life peter where you just think i can't be asked anymore and oh, i'm no, just no, gonna I get mean, on I, with it you when know i was younger i just i just i just let it out i need you to... oh no no, no. i've been no, the you same the whole yeah. way through now i just vocalize it even more oh yeah yeah when i was younger no, i think <laughs> I, I was like yeah opposite wouldn't wouldn't say boot boot to goose and so you know just, i mean obviously my my kids think it's absolutely cringe that i'm on tiktok and and instagram <laughs> um but i have fun with it and you know, now I, I can't get in the car without listening to a tune and thinking, how can I make that relate to surveying? Yeah. yeah. Right. Can I make that? <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah. You did, know? did you find that now that now that you put it on LinkedIn, um, you're getting more more people, whether it's the females or, or the yeah. people um, actually commenting or, or messaging you sort of saying, oh, you know, I'm so glad you've done that or that's, you know, there that's is, really Yeah, me. there is nothing yeah. nothing better than someone commenting saying, yeah, I've had a really bad day, but that is just funny, or that just yeah. resonates. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and that's what it's about. But I think you know, it's a huge opportunity for surveyors. I mean, literally, I'm not the only surveyor out there, but no. if I can do it, anyone else yes. can. And videos of you know, day in the life or things that I've seen, yeah. they're so easy to do. It's a huge mm. opportunity, you know. But I've been pushing that with the younger female surveyors and stuff like that. Get it out there. Yeah. Show, us what, show them what you do. Yeah, just yeah. it's just that visibility piece, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, but guys, you, you two on. Can we get you two on TikTok, Kent and Sean? You know, we've talked about it. It's just for us. I mean, it's kind of a time thing. You know, we need to hire like a. a I social. I personally think that we need to be on TikTok, but we are just not creative creative enough people to create content. Yeah, we need to hire creativity. We do need to. Yeah, uh, we need that to is hire something creativity. actually that yeah. I've. Um, I mean, the reason I became a coach um, was after I did uh, did the women uh, women in surveying virtual summit. I had a lot of women reach out to me with some difficult situations. Mm. You know, they were quite fearful, and it's like, well, what what do I do with that? Mm. And so I trained to be a coach in part so I could help them, but also protect myself so that's the one big thing that I learned to do I think learning coaching tools for anybody who's any in any kind of supportive role is is crucial but the other thing that I've really worked on in the last five years is content how to create engaging content mm-hmm. um you know it's got to be helpful relatable got to have some kind of emotion in there and if I can do it anybody else can and I wouldn't even say I was brilliant there's usually a spelling mistake in, in <laughs> or a mess up in something that I've done um you know but you 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 learn to embrace it but it's not about you it's about others and how you're you're helping others and encouraging mm. them to go and, and do something so see that's where our problem yeah, is we immediately it think it has to be about us <sighs> You mean it's, it's not? About yeah, you. I know. Not. I know. We, the the center of the world revolves around <laughs> somewhere between our two our two spaces. So what once the, we once we embrace that, considering then, uh, you, considering you share a space where you are right now in the studio and an office together, yeah, about you right, too, right. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The universe definitely resol- revolves mm-hmm. yes. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to get yeah. over that. Well, the one thing that uh, I one thing I. You know, one of the reasons I think, you know, Marion's, uh, you know, TikTok and everything else is, is successful is just the humility you show, you know, I mm. think that mm. goes so far. 
Is that a question yeah, or I'm, a comment? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. She does a great job at that. Yeah. But I think that comes it's out some, of taking the piss out of yourself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. Um, and there were times when, you know, I've made mistakes and it literally, and, and I think this is where, I mean, I got, I got diagnosed with ADHD uh, last year mm. and I understand myself an awful lot, a lot better now, but you know, when you make a mistake, it can feel like a gut punch, you know, of just that, that the blood drains, you feel horrible and I think, oh God, how did I make that small error that's catastrophic? And, and we can, we can internalize it. Um, you know, and I've, I've made all sorts of mistakes in the past, but I just learned to have more compassion with myself hmm. about it. And the more that you can share, you know, if you, if, uh, well, I'll give you give you an example. Um, I uh, I was giving um, I was at a conference uh, and I was giving a, a presentation and I don't know how it came about, but my job, one of the jobs I had beforehand, was to create business cards for people. So we had about 600, 700 surveyors turn up, and they all had about a thousand business cards, and there was a spelling mistake on there. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> And that was under my watch. Mm. And um, if anybody ever looked at my LinkedIn and looked at the co- the um, uh, company that I used to work for, the spelling mistake was as bad as it could be. Oh, jeez. Um, it was all. It was. It was all. It was funny, but it was awful. But I just felt, oh my god, my career, my life, everything's over. It was just. It was just terrible. Um, and I look back now and I laugh. But at the time, it was. It was awful. Yep. But if someone came to me with that mistake, you know, how would how would I help them? You know, what would I say to them? I would say, you know, don't worry about it. These things happen. And, you know, so I've, I've sort of almost sort of, um, you know, sort of flipped it around. And and I think in part that's because I've dealt with complaints and claims and things going wrong. I'm really interested in failure. You know, and, and the way the reason that happened is why on earth would you give somebody like me a job? To, to prove all of these <laughs> business cards, you know, when and that, that's that's not my bag. You know, you're often in the the wrong job, not supported. You know, not not doing the the right thing, um, and you've got to got to look a, look around that. And yeah, I I can get quite vulnerable. I do overshare. Um, mm. Uh, it's a good job my husband doesn't listen to my podcast. I don't think he has any idea what I do <laughs> for a living, which is just as well. Um, uh, you know, but it's, it's just human, isn't it though? You know, you share things that you've been up to and people listening to this podcast will, will really value that, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it's not about you. It's a, it's, it's about others at the end of the day. And the thing that, you know, you can talk about career highs and lows, but mm-hmm. there is nothing better than getting a message from somebody that just said, thank you so much. Yeah. Don't know, well, you know, and yeah. it's just those little messages, and I'm sure you've had it too. That that just, yeah. Huh, I don't. Make, I don't think you told me thank you recently, Kent. So I don't know if I've ever actually heard that. Sean, thank you for being you. Oh, thank you for being you. I tell you, I love you, and it gets <laughs> yeah. a lot of yeah. It's gonna get a little, little, little. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, yeah. I know. Uh, I have, to, I have, I have two, two, two quick questions here, kind of, kind of to wrap things up. And there's. Uh, Kind of going back to what you said earlier, kind of stuck home a little bit, you know, as a as a business leader. And you said something that it's kind of resonating and and whether it's, you know, lack of diversity or, or, or women in, you know, a male dominated industry or whatever. It 
he said something in the somewhere it it I heard it as um, we are not uh, you don't feel valued or you don't feel like you have a place here. Is there anything that dumbass guys like me should know to prevent that or improve upon that in the future? Like, what can I do differently to prevent anyone in my organization or our organization that they can feel valued and feel like they have a place? Well, that sounds like, you know, if I had the answer to that, that's like a miracle question and women would <laughs> not have any issues going forward. I I think, you know, there's no one, you know, situational or silver, a bu- silver bullet, but it is about edu- educating yourself. Okay. You know, how, how, uh, and, and having, having compassion for others, you know? So if you've got a woman um, in a meeting, notice whether you're talking over her. I mean, how many times do you talk over Peter? Do they know you, Peter? All the <laughs> you know? time. They do it you know? all, all there's, the there's time. One, it's one thing to do it out of banter, you know, and this is a fun podcast, but if this was a an important meeting right. and Peter had something really important to say, <clears throat> Have you turned to Peter and say, "Is there anything that you want to say? Can I can I support you?" You know, um, mm. you know, it's it's just noticing things like that. You know, because you never know what's going on on behind. But if mm. everybody doesn't have their say, they don't feel that they can have their say, right. then you're not going to get to the most you know thought out answer and, and, and discussion yeah i, I think also i'm sorry peter on top of that you know if you're talking about sitting in a meeting and you see as a male you see somebody shut down the female call them out something call them out yeah Massively, i'm sorry yeah. just one second so-and-so has something to say mm. or, you know, it's about that, that little thing um, of, of calling the person out that's doing the wrong yeah, and make them realize that they are being an ass. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Because we're all human. We're human. Hum- get it human. Out. Human. Um, we're all people. Um, treat everybody the same. Respect everybody for, you know. It, it's also thinking though, you know, what's the culture of these meetings this this awful meeting that nobody wants to be in is it is it a shouty meeting you know are the same people talking all the time is everybody being heard and it's really really thinking about it on a uh, on a on a different level um but i think you know once you once you educate yourself and tune into it you know um and then it's a case of okay well what can i do as a as a you know individual as a white white man there's so much that you can do so much that you can do to help others um and and to change the status quo from educating the the younger guys and boys you know to say that's not how we treat women you know or showing the way and it's that that leadership piece which is absolutely mm. absolutely huge yeah. and to, and raising about it talking about it I was just going to say, you know, in that situation that uh, Peter described and, you know, you as a leader react that way, it just enhances uh, your status as, as, as a leader. Mm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Well said. Um, Okay. uh, One last thing that we always ask every guest, Marion, do you have a mantra that you live by? Uh, Yeah, it's, um, 
a quote by um, Arthur Ashe, who's a tennis yep. tennis yep. player. Mm-hmm. He said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Start you just start. Yeah. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. We oh. don't need to wait for gender to be fixed, you know, for you mm-hmm. two to start showing some respect to Peter. We don't, you know, we don't need to wait for all the rules to be in place. You just need to start doing what you can with what you've got. It's a bit bit like bit like the A team, mm. you know, <laughs> when they start making <laughs> stuff out of the scraps that are that are left. Yeah. yeah. You can you can just start and you know if I if I think about the way my career has gone over the past few years, I just thought, well, just give give a Facebook group a go. Well, just give a podcast a go. You know, you just start doing these things. And mm. and I and, and the other thing I would say is just do the next thing, not the next right thing. Mm. To that. quote uh, Frozen 2 as Arna is singing <laughs> away. That's great. <laughs> that, that, could have been the, that could have been the other, uh, other, other uh, oh kids' tune God. to start the show. It's been uh, too uh, much about do, doing the right thing when just do the next thing. Yeah. And if it's not right, then you'll do the, the next thing and it'll, yeah. it'll work out. Yeah, yeah. Just do something. Right? Yeah, I like that. Mm. It's good stuff. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, Gosh, we've covered a lot. I've enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. It's been great. Um, anything else? I mean, Sean, do you have anything else? Nope. Touched on a lot. Peter, anything else that uh, maybe you wanted to ask Marion while we're here? No, I'm good. We have conversations off air. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> talk, w- woman talk, stuff. Talk, woman about, stuff. <laughs> talk about Sean and I. I, I, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I just no, like to say, actually. <laughs> I just like to say, actually, what a what a great program you've got! What a great podcast! It's quite an inspiration for me. Um, I was delighted when I when I saw the that there is this thing called geoholics, and you know, my my survey world is so so different to yours, mm-hmm. but I find it exciting. I think you're really cool. I'm slightly mortified. I got chilling like a villain. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only tune I could flipping think oh, of. To that is awesome. Oh, it, um, it, it know, expands. It expands our reach. That's yes. all I think. Yeah, yes, but yes. It's, you know, but it's, but it's really good. And yeah. you know, the things that I do are different, but we're all part of the same. How Indeed. people live on this planet, world. No question. You know? Well so, said. Um, thank you for being an inspiration. Well said. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, real quick, how how do people find you? Uh, you know, you're on like a thousand different platforms, but you got some websites. You know, do your little uh, plug spiel here. They can find you on TikTok or or how else can um, we get more get more hey, Marion? Hey, li- <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not viral or any or anything, but you can usually find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Marion Ellis or um, Love Surveying on the usual platforms on my website. You can you can find me. That's great. Awesome. Well, Marion, um, as I as I said. Uh, First of all, we've been doing this for over three years, and we're just now getting around to having this conversation. Um, but my goodness, thanks thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it, and I've uh, I've really really enjoyed this uh, this time. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Thanks. Ready for this one? Oh man, here we go again. Here we go. Getting rejazzed. <laughs> Adding value and making friends. Uh, Check both boxes for this episode, no question. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. Disney's chilling like a villain. Chilling like a villain. <laughs> available everywhere, I'm guessing. I don't know. It Where is do you definitely available everywhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Until next time, everyone, embrace who you are. Most importantly, be safe and healthy. <laughs> <laughs>